0: Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars?
1: Uh, In magazines, mostly.
0: Wrong again! (laughs) And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... (laughs) So incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet comics legend Stan Lee and Walking Dead stars Lenny James and Michael Cudlitz September 22nd through the 24th in Madison, Wisconsin. Then meet Constantine star Matt Ryan and Lord of the Rings Spartacus star Craig Parker October 13th through the 15th in Biloxi, Mississippi. Mississippi. Other shows include Montgomery, Alabama, October 20th through the 22nd, Oklahoma City, October 27th through the 29th, and Springfield, Illinois, November 10th through the 12th. Is that all? Don't interrupt me. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to WizardWorld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CanThere at checkout. Lowercase, no space. <laughs> to get ten percent off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, the internet. Oh, good answer. Really? no wizard world comic-con
1: go to wizardworld.com for tickets
0: well hello out there everybody this is winnie the Pooh
2: and tigger too and uh, also some guy
0: named jim cummings you're not going to believe this but you are listening to the canned air podcast
1: good job keep it up
3: And welcome to another episode of Can Dare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, from HotcakesComics.com, Jordan Curian. Thanks so much for being with us today, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. We've got a good show lined up for you today, folks. I'm uh, kind of excited I don't about... know why
1: I disagree, but... <laughs> I hope not. For no reason in particular, I agree <laughs> with you. This.
3: But uh, we're going to start with the Retro Roundtable, talking about Alan Moore. I mean, yeah. what how much this guy has contributed to pop culture yeah. and just what we love and know today is That's
1: a pretty heavy icebreaker. It it's, really is. Yeah. So we're jumping right in on that one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Then in the comic
1: vault, we're going to be talking about some comics. What do you got there, Jake? I've got something I am super jazzed to talk about—the Hellraiser masterpieces collection. Oh boy! Oh, well, yes. Knows <laughs> anything I my love boy loves—it's Hellraiser. Well documented. I think at least every other episode I bring it up, so pretty sure you're right on that. Yeah one of the books we'll be
3: talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Jordan and talk about Hot Cakes Comics. But, before
1: we do that, Jake. Well, I would be remiss, ladies and gentlemen, if I didn't tell you to follow us on all of our social networking outlets. You can find us on Twitter at AirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Also have a look at our YouTube page full of fun treats and more on the way. Uh, if you're planning on attending a Wizard World convention in the near future, say Madison for instance, be sure to fire off promo code CannedAir, lowercase no space, for a 10% off your tickets. Can't go wrong there. Uh, let's see, am I missing anything? I don't think so. No. You're right. very thorough. Well, you know, thorough's my middle name. Jake? Thorough run I'm your... trying to mix up my catchphrases a little bit. I feel like it's <laughs> getting stale, but so far, nothing's sticking. Okay. We'll keep trying. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable.
3: Yeah.
0: Show me what you got.
3: What you got?
0: Grats! Hate band!
3: Boo! Not cool! Disqualified! (laughs) Alright, guys, Alan
1: Moore. I'm going to throw it out there. Alan Moore's a hack, and I think he's overrated. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. no. Uh, Where do we begin? Obviously. Ah, dude. Can we start... With the fact, just like surface thoughts here, that he dresses like a sorcerer. Does he? I mean, he's got the beard and the hair and everything. He looks like a druid who, like, just walked out of some obsidian portal or something. Uh, It's like you need to kill a goat for him to show up.
4: Let me back to, uh, um, two years ago for Halloween, I dressed up as him. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I I was working at a comic book store at the time. So I thought, it's now or never. Sure. I've, I've already got the beard. So I had to wear 10 rings. I could barely even close my <laughs> fist. So, yeah, he's it's something else. That is commitment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me, I guess the best thing I probably know is The Killing Joke. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a, obviously
1: a great story. I'm it's not a good, I, saying I feel anything like prolific there. That's the entry point for a lot of people who aren't necessarily aware of Alan Moore, or sure. sort of his weirder, more experimental stuff.
3: And that's the stuff I have to get into. When we had decided we were going to do this, I went to the library and I thought, okay, I'm going to get from hell. I've always wanted to read sure. that. Sure. And when I picked it up, it was thicker than the Bible. So I was like, well, I don't got that kind of time. Let's maybe pump the brakes on this. (laughs) I think I'm still
4: going to read it, but go ahead. About From Hell, um, I think that a lot of people think that that's on the same level as Watchmen. And I think depending on the day, it might be better than Watchmen. No kidding. Really? Well, so, and and you do have to take into consideration that I've read, like, probably half of his entire works— And so Watchmen is kind of like really exposed, whereas From Hell like nobody really talks about it. So I I don't know, Watchmen's kinda done for me, which it's really great, but I've already talked about it a lot and then people are like, Oh, I wanna read From Hell I'm like, Ooh, you absolutely should so I think depending on your mood.
1: Because I think Watchmen's hit that like required reading status. Oh yeah, where you don't Absolutely. get like who's yeah. still talking about like you know, oh man when I read the Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, <laughs> it's like it's a sixth grade reading. I'm sure you could find this. the right person. Well yeah, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> college campus maybe. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, let me let me let me back myself up a little here. I'm about to say something vaguely negative about Sir Alan Moore here. All right, watch it, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm on <I'm a> thin <laughs> ice, but. I think he's a genius, and I don't say that the way, you know, like, people will describe, like, oh, fashion genius. I mean, like, a literal writing genius. Right. I also think he's aware of it, Yeah, that's a fucking
4: problem. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's definitely uh, bought—somewhere along the line, he definitely bought into his own hype. Uh, Yeah. It's clear to see, so.
1: Which I totally get. If I were in his shoes, I would be— Insufferable. I wonder about that.
3: You know, like how susceptible one is to the fame that comes with something like that. You know, like some people, I'd imagine it totally envelops and just totally changes their personality, the way they look at other people. And some people are unmoved.
1: Yeah, you've got your Alan Moore's and you've got your Keanu Reeves. (laughs) <laughs> Did't really change him. He's just
4: whatever he is Alan Moore, he also has a different perception of reality. I don't know how much you guys like have read about him, but he's like he really is into like the magic stuff and like the, yes, God. so I, am I think cool. it's. Yeah, his reality is different than I, I, I
3: swear I read on Wikipedia, like he, and I could be butchering this, but along the lines of those magic things, he was making some kind of, like, future predictions or something. Ooh, I Am I r- wrong me. about that? I'm, I've not heard that. I, I'm Okay, I'm butchering it then. You guys continue to talk. I, I'm going to pull that up <laughs> online.
4: Well, I mean, there's a lot of things he's probably done that I've not heard of, but, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, I, I don't know what I
1: believe in, but if reincarnation is a thing that happens in this reality. I, I guarantee you Alan Moore is like the returned spirit of Alistair Crowley or something like that. Well, He's definitely. just the inheritor of that throne. I guess you'd, you'd call it, him yeah. the second wickedest man on earth. Mm. But yeah, it's just everything about him. And you know, I remember um, it, it's driving me insane because I had to look up the name of this comic six or seven times today because some eldritch force keeps pulling it out of my memory. What's the one he did where it's it's the woman, she has a very Greek, heroic-sounding name? Promethea? Thank you. Good yeah. lord. That was driving me nuts, and I swear. Yeah. Anyway, in Promethea, I, I remember just scanning through a couple of pages, and she's combating some force of demons and devils, and there are all these horrible hybrid monsters in the back that perfectly correspond to their various mutant forms in, like, the Lesser Key of Solomon, and all of these old weird occult texts. You know, it's like, this is a guy who's so deeply entrenched with that world that you can't even call it occult anymore. I feel like there's no secret that is still secret
4: to Alan Moore at this point. He understands the secrets of the universe.
1: I know, and I, I love that. I love that there is at least one um, dark scholar left in the world. Yeah. You know, it's not just a fantasy trope. Here he is. Here's the cultist. If things ever start getting otherworldly, we know where to turn first.
4: Probably it, his fault. Uh, more recent stuff from the last couple of years, are all, are all they're all like that but darker. Like They're all basically Lovecraft stuff, like inspired stuff. Um, like uh, Neonomicon, I think. Oh. Is his newest? Word? I haven't read that. It well, it just got. Uh, maybe it's not Neonomicon. There's something that just got. Providence. Providence just got published yeah. last year, and it's it's very occult.
3: Nice. Okay, so I, I found what I was talking about, and boy, was I way off. No predictions, <laughs> no predictions. But but he claims that where his uh, love for magic and all that stuff kind of came from was from one of his own lines in From Hell. In a balloon, it says, the one place gods inarguably exist is in the human mind. Oh, boy. After I wrote that, I realized I'd accidentally made a true statement, and now I'd have to rearrange my entire life around it.
1: Oh, <laughs> man. That is the kind of revelation only an Alan Moore can have. (laughs) (laughs) That's really true. true. Admitting to that phrase... As a true statement, like, gods exist in the minds of man. What he's telling us right now is like, oh, yeah, my brain creates all kinds of deific forces. You know, he's just (laughs) totally at peace with the idea that he's some over-god creating gods within uh, it. Well,
3: I I mean, I don't necessarily think he's referring to himself, just in general. Like, Oh, sure. The only gods that really exist, you know, are the ones we
1: make up. And if I firmly believed any of that was possible, that I could have a promising career as, like, a necromancer or something... I'll be honest, man. I like this podcast, but you wouldn't see me again. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like sending your like pro- projected form <laughs> yeah, to the show projected. every week. <laughs> hey man, I can't make it tonight. Um, there's a symposium. Revan answers anonymous. <laughs> My aura will be attending though.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, we've, uh, we've got him on e meter tonight. Can we get some, uh, some feedback? I don't know how to mic that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming to you through direct telekinesis. Brought to you by GarageBand. <laughs> uh, check us out on right. Society6.com.
3: Okay, I got to touch back on Killing Joke a little bit again. Sure. I know it's the uh, the amateurs' exposure to Alan Moore, but it's the, That's again no
1: less important for it.
3: It's true. Uh, did you guys watch the movie that
1: came out? Oh, I yeah. did. <laughs> uh, well. Jordan just told me what he thought of it. What about you, Jake? Um, I'd have enjoyed it more if I didn't love the comics so much. I think if it was my first exposure. Well, the problem—oh, like, that's
3: cool—with the movie, I think it was obvious. The the graphic novel, though great, wasn't enough to fill the time they needed to right. make a movie. So they put in the whole pre-story of Batgirl, you know, leading up to the beginning of the Killing Joke. And the part that I hate the worst That I just want to claw my ears and eyes out Is when they gave the Joker a dancing medley number It was Like a, a whole musical number
1: move. I don't know, it just seemed really forced I'm not? not sure what the impetus was for that And I feel like it would have translated much better To like a comic book it, 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 When you're piecing that scene together in your mind If you were just reading and looking at that sequence of events You could be like, okay, I can see how we do this And right. you'd assemble it in some way that didn't like that wasn't jarring but you know it's just happening on screen like that the way it was it, it what, just what it, it felt to me like a like a misuse of resources like here they've got Mark Hamill the Joker as right. the Joker in the comic about the Joker right you're going to have him sing come on let's pump the brakes it's a little much yeah. and just that whole intro
3: story with the the Salvat- whatever the dude's name the french gangster guy who was Toying with Batgirl, you know, kind of ended up later not really amounting to the greater sum of the story. It was just very forced. I don't see why they just didn't take what was already there and just embellish between the lines. Because after they got through that first initial thing with Batgirl, it was just like
4: panel for panel. Yeah. 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 On screen. Now, I will say this. Two things. I am a... Obviously, I'm a big Alan Moore fan, so watching the movie, I was very disappointed. Um, Once it got to the halfway mark, it was a pretty faithful adaptation, but I... I think in my mind, what they were doing was they were making that first half about Batgirl, um, so that when she actually gets uh, shot by the Joker, we it's not so like random, and we're supposed to like care about her because in the book, I think it comes off as like totally random. But I think that's the point of the whole thing is that like this just happens to somebody because they're there, you know? Yeah, so, that's like his whole angle. Yeah, yeah you diminish totally, that,
3: true. and then having her and Batman have sex on the roof like that. It was a
1: bit much. It was a bit cringy That's like for me, my god, it's like it, it, in my mind fan service is like relegated to Japanese animation almost exclusively. <laughs> but I, I guess we want a piece of that pie here in the West. But I, I think it just shows a huge weakness uh, in Batman. He would never I just he's I can't envision like that scenario. Fucking
3: stone when it comes yeah, to his no. morals, his rules, procedure what has to be done the right way that he's just gonna let his guard down, take his mask and clothes off and fuck on the roof like, yeah. I don't
1: I don't think so. Well, let's see. I've only got one person I trust uh, in the world of fighting crime, so I guess I'll go ahead and pork his daughter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> another another bad decision yeah.
3: <laughs> what was it? Uh, one of those Batman games kind of touched on that actually. Gordon found. Uh, Commissioner Gordon found out that his daughter had been his background running around with him, and then he like got all pissy and set, <laughs> set the police
1: on him. I can't believe I befriended you. You know, <laughs> a very measured, careful response to the situation. <laughs> right, 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 right. Not a total misstep or anything like that. <laughs> oh, Lord.
3: oh man. So what else we got? What else, Alan Moore? I mean, there's the Watchmen, obviously.
4: Um, I would. Oh, go I ahead. have a whole collection of stuff that people have probably never read. But I will say that uh, in terms of influence on me and what I think is maybe his most, maybe, I'm going to say personally best because it's what I like the best, but his Swamp Thing. I don't know if you guys have read that. Mm. Oh, yeah.
3: I haven't ever read Swamp Thing. I used to watch it back in the day when I was young.
4: It was on on TV. It's quite different than any TV show. (laughs) Um, I never saw the cartoon. I saw the movie. It's It's not on the same level as the movie. There was a cartoon, wasn't there? Yeah, it was like uh, okay. 90, 91. I thought maybe I was confusing it with something else. Yeah,
3: I
1: was real young when You're thinking of Spider-Man, just <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay, gotcha. I can
4: see how you get that confused. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. Uh, I was just His work on uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing, which he took over for um, after Len Wayne, uh, rest in peace, by the way, he just died last week, I think it was. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he created Swamp Thing. He just died last week. So he took over oh, wow. for Len Wayne because, uh, oh, I'm sorry, what? I was just simply reacting. I said, Uh, oh, wow. I thought you said how, and I was like, oh, I don't know.
3: (laughs) No, I said, oh, wow.
4: Um, Well, when people get old enough, yeah, (laughs) let's have a talk. (laughs) (laughs) So he took over for Swamp Thing and kind of reinvented it, and that was like the first book that I read where I was really like, wow, this is the most unique, different thing. And I'd already read Watchmen at the time. But this was like wow, within the mainstream d c universe, this was getting you know published, and it really changed, and honestly it's a huge reason why I actually jumped into making comics because i was I just remember reading some of the panels and being like, "Wow, this is possible, and all things are possible, and I can do this
3: right. I think I might have some old swamp thing uh comic books somewhere it'd be worth busting them out I'll have to dig around wasn't there a, there was another uh comic that had uh
4: A monster that looked very similar to Swamp Thing. Maybe it was on Marvel. Yes, I believe you're thinking of Man-Thing. Man-Thing. (laughs) Man-Thing. Yes, I've got some of those comics. You know, that was my nickname in high school. (laughs) It (laughs)
3: makes its triumphant return to the show. It's
4: been several episodes. (laughs) Just waiting for the right moment. There it is. Lordy. An interesting piece about, uh, an interesting piece of trivia if you ever want to, like, uh, you know, like, impress your friend. Well, impress is kind of a strong word, but. Uh, if you ever want to <laughs> seal the deal with that special lady. Yeah, if you're ever trying to, yeah, if you're trying to make it with a lady. Uh, so thing was actually created by the same guy who made Howard the Duck. Um, and I think him and Len Wayne were roommates or something, so there's always this controversy of, like, who oh, stole the idea. Oh, shit, really? Uh, I think that's the case, but now they're both dead, so I guess. <laughs> yeah. The, the secret is lost. It.
1: And, you know, on the subject of Swamp Thing, I think it, it, it's a really good—it really illustrates Alan Moore's, like, gift of humanizing the yeah. human. you know, making relatable, totally mm-hmm. bizarre things. The fact that you feel for Swamp Thing, that there's an emotional connection you can make with this sentient lump of vegetable matter, you know? <laughs> the same thing I think of with, like, Dr. Manhattan. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just like he's so far removed from the human condition and that somehow makes his human flaws even more poignant. It just kind of irks me that he always has to temper that with making the, you know, super blue glowing radioactive deity and or swamp monster get with an improbably beautiful young woman. Yeah, right. It's like the one thing I feel like there's this animal part of him that he just can't escape. It's just he'll be writing something incredible and they're like, yeah, yeah, and then he leaves his wife and he gets with this hot 18 something. <laughs> then
3: Megan Fox is there, she takes off the shirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God,
3: so good. It's just,
1: I don't know, it's weird. It's always so jarring to me the way that happens. I don't know, that's a But tangent. what's the alternative? What would you rather see? I don't see, oh God, all of my favorite pieces of fiction are cold and sterile and heartless, and all interactions and relationships break down. I don't know. I'm just. This is true. The, the girl you'd probably rather see would have like three breasts, spikes for nipples, oh, yeah. her I lips mean, ripped
3: from her mouth. Like if there's if there's the a most horrid
1: thing you'd ever seen. I know who fetishizes misery <laughs> and just the degradation of the of the human spirit. That's me. That's what I just adore most in the things I read. So. It would have to be grotesque, because to me, relations are grotesque on, on every level. Interacting mm-hmm. with other people, there's an element. It's the discomfort and the pain. Now we're getting too psychological with this <laughs> shit. No, I agree with you. I, I, I've got some of those thoughts myself. For sure, <laughs> I just, but. I, I like it when it's brought forth and it's just like, here it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this is what lust looks like. You know, it's just something raw like that. I guess that's the appeal for me. Sure. Good, good. I'm
4: glad I was able to... <laughs> I just,
3: <laughs> I just I lost my cells. train of thought. I was, I lost,
4: yeah, I'm, I'm booking an appointment with my therapist after all that. Um, oh, good. Well, I'm right. glad I can <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I
3: remember. It's okay I to ask for help. <laughs> I mean, I totally see what you're saying about the girl. Because I, you see it in television too. Like, there's no way he would be with her, or she'd take interest in yeah. him, or it's whatever. Like you're a but,
1: huge loser. You're not going to get with the hottest chick in the amusement park, Jesse Eisenberg. The it's al- bullshit. <laughs> it was poorly written,
3: right? But the alternative is what? Like going to the county fair and picking out a sweetheart. I know. <laughs>
4: I'll say this about Swamp Thing, Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, I, I get that one a little more. But with Swamp Thing, um, there are some scenes where. They like eat this <laughs> it's kinda like it's, it's he, the like, plant, right? It's, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like a hallucinogenic growth.
4: Yeah, it's like basically like a sweet potato <laughs> that they like trip balls on and then they're like in love, so it's weird. Swamp it's thing? A lot physical and swamp thing.
1: I mean that's how I plan on reproducing. Yeah. Trick them with homegrown drugs swamp thing ever offers you like a tasty roast yam or something it's take, up, take him up
3: on that or no, no? pass
1: no. pass okay <laughs> unless you want to be his chemical bride <laughs> which is the name of my new
4: band the chemical i've Brides lived worse
1: lives my trademark. friend i've <laughs> lived worse lives how about v for
4: vendetta Oh, man, V for Vendetta, I read that when I was in college, which is like prime time to read that book. That's one of my top five of his, for sure. I've never
3: read it, but I've seen the movie several times. I think that's a
4: movie that got the
1: spirit of the comic.
3: Did it really? My next question to uh, whoever had read it was going to be how varying is the book from the movie. You wouldn't want to compare
1: them like story wise or how they tackle certain elements, but it, it certainly gets where it's coming from and Hugo weaving. I mean, come on.
4: It's nice because I mean, some of the things they do in the movie, obviously they don't in the book and there's some plot points that I'm like, eh. but like being such a huge fan of it, um, I still watch that movie quite often so I think it did an, a well enough job that cuz like there's some movie adaptations I'm like okay I refuse to watch this but you know that one I still look forward to watching so I think it did fine enough I mean at least they didn't take his mask off so
3: yeah that's true it's did they didn't that. in the n- n- no. comic either no speaking of that mask was that guy, Fawkes guy mask, fox mask yeah. like, like first debuted in that or was that mask already a thing before V for Vendetta came to be do you guys know hmm, that's, that's a good th- question
1: yeah, I I would think that it was because it's so
3: iconic now. You yeah. know, like Anonymous has
1: it as their kind of their. I, I'm going to go ahead and say I believe it started with the comic and then the movie, and that scene where everyone marches on them, you know, yeah. with the masks. I think that's what gave rise to that particular design. Because Guy was. Fox
3: was a real person, yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious about that mask because if Frank Moore. Frank Moore, Jesus Christ, I'm <laughs> mixing Alan Moore and Frank Miller. If Alan Moore did create that, I mean, that's a, you know, far beyond just writing a great story and made it into a movie, he's making a cultural symbol yeah, that absolutely. people have taken onto their own organization. That's incredible. It's I like hope he doesn't a, hear me say that because his head culture. and
1: beard will get bigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll start, like, pulsing and reaching out with the little hairs. <laughs> Tentacles and shit. <laughs> Drawn in, like, birds and shit. It gets a little stronger every time. It's okay. You're part yeah. of the verse now.
4: <laughs> I want to um, throw something out there. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just looking at my bookshelf and thinking about all the books that I own. Because it's, like, my personal mission to own all Alan Moore books by the time I die. Well, so. oh, best of luck to you.
1: You better hope he dies first.
4: Or you're uh, gonna be well, you know, I don't actually think he's going to
1: die. You know, probably not. That's a good, That's a good point. All those uh, spells Just and swap rings. bodies or yeah. something. Come on, they got to do something, right? <laughs> you would think. Whatever your opinions of the Watchmen movie are, mm-hmm. I always come back to this point: it gave us the best Watchmen music video of all time. That opening sequence. You know, come get it. Oh, the Bob Dylan song. That was a masterful touch, and I swear to God, if the movie had just stopped after that, (laughs) it was a gorgeous film. Oh, sure. Like
3: I didn't, and that was my introduction to the Watchmen was the film Mm -hmm. because I. Growing up, I was going through, like, these long hiatus breaks through comics where I'd be super into them. Something would happen in one of the series I was reading, and I'd like, get interested, like, oh, walk away for five years and come yeah. back. And I caught... Uh, kind of like was me a, and my children. <laughs> right, I, there was a video store in the neighborhood going out of business, and they were selling all their movies for a buck. I picked it up. Oh, okay. And I went home, and I was like, oh, my God, this was fantastic, you know? And um, that one, I then... I went and got the book. I didn't buy it. I got it at the library. But just going through scene by scene, trying to find what's, you know, different from the movie, what's yeah. the same. It's just such a
1: great story. I dig it. It's – I love the – You're going to have to fix this post. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Because yeah. I'm trying to – but I'm trying to find the way to put it into words. It's like my favorite kind of character is the son of a bitch who's right – and that makes him mm-hmm. even worse. You know what I mean? It's like the person whose intentions are good, but only possible course of action is deeply evil. Right. But you can't, you know, like like Dr. Manhattan says, without condoming, condoning or condemning, I understand. You know? Right. I love that character that forces you to feel for them in spite of their own motivations or actions. Because what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, like... Nuclear annihilation, is that better? You know?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think stuff like that has been done before, just not anywhere near to yeah. that magnitude. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I feel like I've seen that, that kind of stuff in the X-Men, and they could just oh, sure. be copying what they've done. Um, and maybe there's some of
1: those kind of examples beforehand. But again, nothing— just did it right. Oh, perfectly. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is kind of unrelated to the whole anti-hero discussion, but I remember reading that when I was in high school— Being like, oh, man, this is incredible. You know, it just, like, changed me from that point on. And I gave it to my sister. And I was like, you need to read this uh, now. And she got, like, halfway through. And I remember her calling me up a little while ago. She's like, I'm not feeling great today. I'm like, what? What's wrong? And she's like, just, Rorschach, he's right. Rorschach is right. I'm like, no, (laughs) stop. Okay, stop
4: it. (laughs) Do not buy into Rorschach's logic, please. (laughs) You know what, (laughs) though? That is a better reaction. Because when I... I've had a couple people that I've like, you, you've you got to read this. This is just the best, you know. And I had one guy, one roommate in college who read, like, the first issue, got to the part where it's, like, prose, like, newspaper clippings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they go, do I have to read this? And I was like, like yeah, you're goddamn yeah. damn and right. he's like, no, I don't want to read this then. And, like, <laughs> folded the book and just left it. And then I had another person actually lent my copy to like a year ago, and I just never have seen it since. So, at least they felt something. These people, so they like it. it. <laughs> no, I don't think they ever read it. I think they just <clears throat> okay, and then never touched it. Probably,
1: <laughs> mm. you you have to read everything. Yeah. Cover to cover. I tell you what, if you find a person that says they love Watchmen, gushes on about it, and they don't get chills when you use the phrase, true blood from the shoulder of Palace, they're fake. They did not read (laughs) (laughs) Watchmen. They took the coward's way out and skipped all the clippings. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm. Carrying on. You know, listening to all these stories, you know, all these staples of the comic community that Alan Moore has created... Uh, Growing up, you know, I I was into guitar, Uh, growing up playing guitar. When you're getting into music and stuff, there's always the greats that you hit first before you start going and finding your own sound. You know, you start listening to Led Zeppelin. You start uh, listening to ACDC, you know, those classic rock uh,
1: Powerhouse, the foundation,
3: you know? right? And I—that's really like what Frank Miller and Alan Moore, uh, Mark Millar, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that's what those kind of guys are to the comic world. When you're getting into it for the first time, and you want to find something that really just kind of defines the whole genre, they kind of puts you on the of path. The genre. That works exactly. For you. Yeah. Those are the yeah, that makes to sense too
1: I like that. I agree. So, They're almost elemental. You know? Yeah. They're yeah. like. How can you understand this other stuff? The purest component
4: before you read then you, this. Yeah, yeah, right. That's a good way to put it. I like that a lot. Right. It's funny too because I I have to imagine that Frank Miller and Alan Moore actually hate each other. They were so big at the same time, and um, they both. I've read some stuff about more recent times where, um, they're very clearly like Alan Moore is like a very a uh, much more of a liberal guy, I think, whereas uh, whereas Frank Miller is kind of the opposite. I don't think. I don't want to derail this conversation, but if you guys ever get the time, check out a book by Frank Miller called Holy Terror. Yeah, that is bizarre. I've never it's heard not, of that. Oh, it's quite bad. It, it's a, it's it's frustrating. It started off as a Batman story, but then I think DC was kind of like, oh, we don't want Batman associated with this because it's basically about. <laughs> I think it was Frank Miller's reaction to 9/11, basically, but it came out like seven or eight years later, so he just looked crazy by then. If you go to a library, don't don't buy this book. It's not worth money. Just go read it <laughs> at a library, and you'll be like, "What?"
3: So those two have never. I'm sorry, just to snap back because something you said yeah. just about how Frank uh, Miller and Alan Moore are feuding. I was thinking like somewhere I had seen that they had their names both on a same project, but I just googled it really quick, and like the first twenty is like Alan Moore versus Frank Miller dispute, oh, dispute over this, dispute <laughs> over the Joker.
1: Yeah. I was like, wow, I had oh, no cool. idea. It makes sense. Oh, yeah, they're but, uh, I'd say they're on opposite ends of a of a spectrum yeah. of sorts. And I tell you what, man, holy terror. You're right. It's 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 like what it, imagine <laughs> To me, it's like what's going on in a hyper-conservative's mind while yeah. he's jerking off at the exact <laughs> point of orgasm. It's like what's the flash of imagery? You're like, oh, holy terror. How That's can I not want to read it after that? To You've got to me. at least That's check like, it out. Wow. But man, it is bizarre. It's, I think it's I will. It's aptly named. It is
4: a holy terror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, boy. Awesome. I mean, I'll say this, though. To be fair, Alan Moore is my favorite writer, but he's also written... One of the worst stories I've ever read. Really? So I can't put down Frank Miller too bad. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was in the nineties. It was a, uh, Spawn Wildcats crossover. Oh wow, oh, boy. <laughs> thing, yeah, and and the thing is, and I know since I've read after this, he basically was like, yeah, I just wanted a paycheck. But there's a lot <laughs> more got to eat. Out to me, and and Spawn calls one of the Wildcats a teenage mutant ninja slut. Oh, my God. And I was like, this is the man who's crafted prose that like, swamp thing and Killing Joke and Watchmen and From Hell and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Slut. So. This is pagan Shakespeare. What's yeah. he doing saying shit like
1: this? Oh, wow. boy! Sphere, I guess. Magic. Yeah. They can all be masterpieces He did do some stuff there. for Spawn that was really cool, though, but I won't take us up. We've already hit oil. I don't think we need to keep digging on this. <laughs> That'd be another good retro to do, though. Spawn? Spawn? Yeah, there's I a lot. I mean, whole I don't know if I've got nice a, to
3: enough to say to fill the whole thing, but between the three of us. Well, I can just bullshit for like 20 <laughs> minutes straight. And just say shit that's not true, make yeah, it sound yeah. good.
1: You can just talk about then... Spawn movie for 20 minutes. Oh, boy. Do you want twenty minutes of three to four people vomiting continuously? Yeah,
3: (laughs) you know what needs
1: to spawn, Sean. Like, what's up right here? What's that? T
3: shirts. You're right. We need a pile of Candare t-shirts to spawn right here. So just can...
1: Spawn is dependent on his necrodermis. No, that's a Warhammer. Term. Necrodermis. What is it? It's the necroplasm <laughs> suit. Right. You can have your own second skin of godlike power mm-hmm. if you just buy a t-shirt from Society6.com forward slash CandarePot. It's that simple, folks. Power.
3: At the end of your fingertips, all you have to do is press the right buttons on your computer, or keypad, or on your telephone. It can be done there too.
1: And I can you. neither confirm nor deny rumors that these T-shirts can transmute into a wicked array of blades to impale your enemies with. Mm-hmm. That might just be Spawn's angle. But um, you can at least buy one and try it. Some of the colors will attract the opposite sex. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so if you're lonely. that's There's a thought. There you go. Now there are also colors that will repel
1: the opposite sex. I'm not going to tell you we which one. You, you which. just got to them and figure <laughs> it out gotta... for yourself. So try our new grab bag feature where you can buy up to six and save a dollar on each. <laughs> That's, that's a grab real. bag feature.
3: You buy the right shirt, you're going to get your bag grabbed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a
1: canned air guarantee. Not,
3: your bag will not be grabbed by canned air.
1: <laughs> yes, that's an important disclaimer. Canned Society air does not assume liability. For,
3: <laughs> Society6.com forward slash canned air pod. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a mug. Buy a clock. Buy shower curtains. Please, somebody's got to buy those shower hell curtains. not? Right. <laughs> With that, let's just open
1: the door to the comic vault. Yeah. You want to go first this week, Jay? May I? Because I'm super jazzed about this one, especially since it's a collection of short stories, and I can give you, like, the first in the sequence. Okay. It's, like, just the right amount of info. This is Hellraiser Masterpieces, part one, a series of short fictions from the Hellraiser setting. Uh, Huge Clyde Barker fan. Love the movie Hellraiser, obviously. Um, so this was an instant buy for me as soon mm-hmm. as I saw it. Also, uh, someone working on the project, a little, little guy by the name of Bernie Wrightson. I don't Ooh. know if that's important for anybody here in this conversation. <laughs> but, you know, just a thought. He might be a nobody. What, what do I know? But, yeah, Bernie Wrightson worked on this first one called The Warm Red which I was so jazzed about because it did my favorite thing in the entire fucking world where you take an established fictional setting that's like rich with lore and detail and you allude to it without diving in head first. It's like Hellraiser. Let's take the movie, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's not a subtle film. Right, this right. is not like a slow burn psychological horror. <laughs> so it's it's something that's very overt and in your face and revolting, and that's the point, right? right. Because that's it's the ultimate in sensation, it's sensory overload. That's the concept behind the Cenobites, behind this Hellraiser Hellraiser universe. In this story, we have something that like skirts the edges of that Hellraiser world, and it's just oh, it's, just, it's delicious. I just love it. So it starts out with this woman who's obviously a very high powered someone who's cutting a deal with this guy, all very under the table. She can get a lot of really good land for really cheap. She's just got got to buy it under this country bumpkin. And uh, it's, it's never stated outright, but they said, all right, Anaheim, Orlando, this is going to dwarf the two of those combined. So they're scoping out a third Disney park. Oh, wow. You know, so it's like, it's a big deal. She's just got to convince this one guy who technically owns it to sell to her. So she finds this dude who's living secluded in his cabin, and he seems off. He's clearly bizarre. She walks in. She says, hi, my name is such." And, such. and Before you tell me to leave your property, uh, I just wanted to tell you, you haven't brought any head of cattle to market. Uh, your crops yield nothing this season. And you're sitting on some reasonably valuable land. I could probably, you know, get you five, six $600,000 all told for the house and the land it's on. And he's like, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. He's like, yeah, yeah, but I tell you what, that's all contingent on whether we can find the right seller or speak to the right people. What if I just... Buy it from you right now for 400000 And the whole time she's pitching him this, she's fiddling with this uh, black and gold-plated cube he just Uh-oh. happens to have on his mantle. <laughs> and you're like, hmm, better put that down, right? And he's having these bizarre flashbacks where it's just like, her skin's so pretty, soft and white. It needs color, a warm, a warm dash of red. And he's having these weird little asides in his head where he imagines himself slicing her up with a scalpel. Hi, welcome to Hellraiser. And uh, she decides that in order to give this guy the shove into sell me your land right now town, she has to seduce him, which she does not realizing he's this um norman bates kind of weirdo where any sexuality triggers the murder reflex in his brain Ooh. so he drugs her knocks her out ties her to a bed completes the lament configuration and summons a cenobite called face with whom he has some kind of accord and says here she is your next victim sorry it took so long <laughs> i don't get a lot of visitors you know it's yeah. this weird thing <laughs> And it goes on and on, and it's cool, and he's about to carve her up. You know, standard Hellraiser fare. But she says, look, hey, you, face, right? The guy with the face, mind you, he's, like, flayed. He has no skin, okay. but has a human face, or the remains of one, stapled to his head. Ugh. Beautiful. Oh, my God. It's just, this is my, this it's, <laughs> is it's, it's what I'm all about. She says, look, this guy that you have bringing you sacrifices, he's nobody. He's a loser. He's nothing. He's nothing. Me, I can help you. I've got connections. I've got ideas. I've got plans. I say, you let me go. You get rid of this guy. And uh, I'll bring you two, three, four, five times what he can bring you in a year, in a week. And he thinks to himself, yeah, yeah, no, this is a decent deal. Mm -hmm. So she swaps places with the guy. And he says, you want to prove your loyalty to this arrangement? I'm going to need you to go ahead and slice up our friend Brian here. So he reverses their roles, and the whole, like, the final few panels are her holding up this Baroque serrated knife, tapping it against her cheek, thinking, where am I going to start? And the last line is face with this little internal monologue, and he's like, she's meticulous, calculating. The hardest part is always deciding where you're going to begin the first incision. It's good that she's so ruthless already. I think we'll have a good relationship. And, oh, and man. it ends, and you're like, oh, my God. It's, like, just enough, but it's not too much. Ugh. I know. I usually don't go on and on and on about it. No, this it was long, good. But, I was hanging on your every word. Dude, I love it. I love so this it. is a series. You're probably going to be with. Oh yeah, with. and I've so got four more stories just in this one issue. I bought, so <laughs> it's going to be a fine evening. <laughs> Very good. I didn't have a lot of friends before, but I'm getting better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're getting there.
1: <laughs> I'm almost is that human. Ongoing story. Like this is ongoing comic. No, this is old news. as okay. far as I know, oh, and I, I think it was the one more. red was more of a one-off. Okay. It didn't go anywhere after that, which I, I'm glad it didn't. Oh, okay. It sounded like it was the, like, issue one that no, was going it's, to, like, the this new thing, relationship with this girl or just whatever. Just the idea that you've got this woman in league with the Cenobites who's in charge of erecting a new Disney World. Oh, my God. Mm. What a fantastic—it's just—oh, it's beautiful. I'll, I'll let you have the floor now. i <laughs> too much time.
4: Jordan, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, let's see. I got. I got a couple things I could talk about. Uh, literally, right before you called me, I just finished um, a volume of BPRD. Oh, nice! It was the oh, uh, yeah. Hell on Earth. So I'm on volume one of Hell on Earth. I just finished that, which is called New World. Um, I'm in this like God. I feel like it's been ugh, probably like a year where I'm trying to read all of the Hellboy universe stuff, and I'm only that's like a daunting before. task. Yeah. yeah. I've read, like, 30 books, and I'm only, like, halfway there. Ooh. Uh, It's ridiculous. And it's cool because the BPRD and the Hellboy stuff are separate, and they're so different. Hellboy is, like, a lot of mythology. I don't know if you guys have read Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've read some. It's so much mythology and so just bonkers, whereas BPRD is more of, like, an action sci-fi horror kind of thing. Right. And I'm just so horny for both. It's like two great tastes that taste great together.
1: Yeah, they both have different feels, but
3: they're both uh, great feels. Um,
4: What's nice about the New World that I just read, is such a good... Like, it opened up, and I was like, it's just such a classically horror movie kind of feeling to it. It opens up with... This girl talking to a sheriff about her dad disappearing, and then the sheriff trying to re, you know reckon or um, to make her feel better, and she, he walks out of the laundry mat and she follows him. She's like, I forgot to tell you something, and he's gone too. And I was like, Ooh, this is gonna be spooky. So it's it's really cool feeling, um, and it's got a lot of monster fighting, and it's just cool. It's a lot of fan service in there because you get some characters that miss like disappeared. So yeah, if you guys are into uh, which I know obviously. You're into horror, Jake. I don't know about... <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. I, I like some myself,
3: again. but not like my guy here. I mean, he yeah, lives like that, breathes it. It's,
4: <laughs> it's in it's his veins. <laughs> so, you know, but it is part of the mythos. so you kind of have to read a lot to get there. Oh, sure. Alan. The other thing I'm reading, which is like the exact opposite, is I got from the library a 700-page, and I, I don't ever use the word tome. <laughs> well then you don't use it often enough. But I'm about That's... to use the word. I got a seven hundred page tome of Doonesbury, Which is the exact oh, opposite yeah. <laughs> which is you know, which is really a good party conversation, I think, so I didn't mean to order. I thought it was just like a nonfiction book that was like a retrospective. Right but it was 700 pages long, so I'm like... Guess what? <laughs> yeah, I'm in okay. now. You got it. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's great. I'm trying to decide as I'm reading. I'm about 200 pages in. I'm trying to decide if I'm sophisticated enough to read Doonesbury. I don't are know. You, yet. Are you cool, but also like aloof enough in the right proportions to
1: get it?
3: Um, I don't know if I've
1: ever read it personally.
4: I'm aloof, but I don't know if I'm cool. Because I'm reading Doomsbury. It's kind of a catch-22. See, one without the other. Ah, oh man. Yin it's and like, yang. The thing is, I was reading the intro to this book. I don't know. Do you know what Doomsbury is? I think I do. I'm looking it up as we speak. It's it's a comic strip that's been published daily in the na- in the newspaper. But it's Is like it the one under the... I'm thinking of Sherman's Lagoon. Yeah, this one is like That's the one with political. the fish. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's got a lot of politics and, and satire in it. Um, and it's been, and the creator, uh, Gary Trudeau, has gotten a lot of flack over the years from different people. Um, I was reading the intro, and it's like 700 pages. And I was like, well, this must be like the entirety of Doonesbury, I guess. And then his intro said that it was only 13% of the published <laughs> material. Jesus. Yeah. I, I, I can't even fathom doing that much work but it's it's i think it's an acquired taste i read last year and i don't want to get too political but last year i read a collection of dunesberry strips that were all about donald trump because apparently this guy's been following his career since donald trump's career since like 1985 so that's where i was kind of first exposed seriously to it saved up a fair amount of venom in that time I'm sure.
1: yeah <laughs> Man, 13%, Man. and that's yeah. 700. You've got to be careful. He's, like, approaching that critical, what I like to call the Patterson
4: threshold. Oh, yeah. Like, you churn out six books a day. They can't all be good, right? I well, mean, so, I mean, he's been writing this strip daily since, like, 1975 or something, sometime in the late 70s. So it's, like, a daily, so it really adds up.
3: <laughs> I do remember this comic. I just found it online. Oh, and there's the Donald Trump stuff.
4: Yeah. It's wow. not everyone's cup of tea, so I don't have too much to say about it, but it's pretty cool because it's like 40 years worth of history. So You've got to respect something.
1: Yeah. Like that enduring, you know? It's, it's
3: categorizing and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh,
1: it's like a window into the times. You know, it's like a time capsule in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That works. Political climate of whatever... Day, I guess, encapsulating yeah. what was
3: uh, big then, and yeah. you know, if you listen to it in its entirety, listen to a piece of history. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean, can't beat that. I'm not saying what I want to say the right way, so <laughs> but I'm just you're going to give up. it the right way. This guy right yeah, here, look it. at him. Silver lining, That's making a guy me. feel good over here. <laughs> All right. Well, what I've got was uh, the last few weeks in the comic vault. I've talked about uh, number ones that were reissued, uh, done by Jack Kirby. Well, they also oh, did reissued some number ones that weren't Jack Kirby's, just like famous number ones. So, so I picked up Wolverine number one because I have never looked at it. With that iconic image. Yeah. It come
2: over here, above me. <laughs>
3: so I was like rubbing my hands together. I was like this is going to be a good read. I have no idea what to expect. And two pages in, I know exactly what to expect. Oh, because you've seen the Wolverine movie where he goes to Japan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this book. Oh, no kidding. Pretty much, yes. Um, there are some differences. Man, this is actually working pretty well, uh, what we were talking about earlier, the differences yeah, yeah. between the movie and the comic. Yeah. Starts out with him finding that bear, you know, uh, being hit with the poison dart, finding the hunter in the bar. Where in the movie, he you know, puts an arrow in his hand and yeah. gets aggressive. The guy hits him in the face with a beer bottle and he just kind of leaves. Oh, yeah. He doesn't do much about it, you know, but... He then says he's going back to Japan to uh, find Mariko, the love of his life. So that relationship had already been established prior to this number one, where in the comics, or excuse me, in the movie, I don't believe it was. I believe he went to Japan and then fell for her. But uh, he tries to call her, saying that he's coming back to Japan, wants to get married, and finds out that she can't. Because she is already married in an arranged marriage. It's weird. Her father was missing. And with the father missing, there were no family rules binding her to any suitor or anything. She was in love with Logan. They were going to be together. But after this guy thought dead, came back and reclaimed his throne to the this, this uh, fortune. I mean, they're like royalty in Japan. Then uh, he arranged her marriage. So Logan's all pissed off, puts on his Wolverine outfit for some reason to talk to her. Uh, Impressive, man. But he finds her, finally, so many people trying to keep him away and finds her beaten and battered by her new husband that was arranged and keeps trying to talk her out of it to come you know, leave the country with him and she's like, I can't do it. It's just dishonorable. Well, in the height of this conversation, Lord uh, Shingen makes his uh, presence known and wants to fight Wolverine with swords. And I keep waiting for the Silver Samurai to poke up in here. He never does. Maybe a few issues down the line he does. But, um, I don't know, the one thing that stuck with me is like, we're going to fight with swords, but not real swords, just these wooden ones. And uh, Wolverine, I think, says something to the effect, like, what, you do uh, are you too afraid to play with real swords? He goes, no, he's like, you're not worth a real sword. Oh, wow. So it's kind of set up to look like it's, since it's wooden swords, practice swords, they're just kind of jarring to see who, you know, who wins rather than a fight to the death. Well, the blows that this dude keeps making on Logan, like right at the neck and shoulder where they meet, uh, one right in the center of the chest, he can tell that he's making blows to him, that he is indeed trying to kill him. So Wolverine and I don't think so Bob you know (laughs) brings his claws out but then soon realizes that he can't do this because anything he does if he kills this guy anything he does around him is going to affect her Yeah, it's going to come down on her so he just brings his claws in shurikens hit him in the neck with poison on him that knock him out and he wakes up in an alley somewhere and just kind of puts the past you know it it has to be what it is which is very, again, different from the movie. I, um, I re- there was a nice happy ending to that movie, and not the case here, so... <laughs>
1: they didn't wrap it up with a bow on this one. No. Wolverine number one. Cool. And with that behind
3: us, let's just turn our full attention over to Jordan and talk about Hot Cakes Comics. Thanks for being with us, Jordan.
4: All right. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I run um, sort of a... I don't know if... I kind of hesitate to call it like a company, because it's mostly just me, but... Uh, our companies are... Yeah, that's that's how they start. Um, right. I uh, I've been making comics for about two years now. Um, it's coming up on the two year mark. Um, I do. It's it's interesting because you know we did talk about Alan Moore this episode and and I started just writing the scripts because I was so influenced by Alan Moore. In fact, I'm pretty sure the first script I ever wrote was like basically something Alan like not. I'm not saying like the level he wrote. I don't know. Have you guys ever seen an Alan Moore script? No, I don't believe I have. Okay, they are like heavy, heavy word count man. Like he puts so much detail, <laughs> and that's probably—I mean—that's what sets his stuff apart a little bit—is—is is how much detail. If you guys ever get the chance, look up some of his scripts. I think the first page—you know—the fr- okay, so uh, the first page of Killing Joke. You remember those? It's just like that rain and the puddles of rain. Yeah, yeah. That page alone was like. A couple pages of writing. And all he wow. was Yeah. Well and he was talking about the story, like the setting and the feel of the story and stuff, but I have an excerpt of it from somewhere in a book about him. And so I would write these scripts that were just so long because I was trying to be Alan Moore, you know. <laughs> and now when I work with an artist, I'm pretty sure they hate that because it's like they have to read <laughs> so much. Right.
3: Maybe, but there's I mean something can be said for attention to detail. When you've Look got back a over history. Yeah. Let's go back to that Walt Disney reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attention to detail. It does matter.
4: Well, everybody says like they love working with Alan Moore, but I was like, I don't know if they love working with me that much yet, so i got to kind of cool it.
3: I don't think there's anything wrong with no. <laughs> what you're doing. Uh, again, attention to the detail, yeah. the details that people probably aren't even consciously noticing, but subconsciously it's sinking in. That stuff definitely matters.
1: Yeah, I mean, so. like, what's the difference between something good and something great? It's about a thousand tiny details that are
4: invisible on their own that mm-hmm. add up to make the difference. And And on that note—oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's one of the things that's interesting about uh, writing and and making comics is when you make them and when you write the script and you're getting—there's so much that you know and you put into it that they're never going to see. For the longest time, when I started out, everybody I knew, they were just like, I don't really understand what that means when you say, like, you write comics, because when you think of comics, the only words you really see are the bubbles— um, but there's right. so much in those scripts that go into them that you tell the artist or that you tell yourself in order to convey the right look or the right feeling or the right color that they're never gonna see. So I don't know. That's always really been really been an interesting part for me. Is just the night. It's I don't know. There's no. Cliche. I, I can't think of anything but the cliche of the iceberg, where you only see ten percent. You know, <laughs> right?
3: I've I've never written a uh, comic or a script or anything, but I, I would imagine that a, a script for a comic or a graphic novel would be more of a like a script to a movie. You know what I mean?
1: Kind yeah, of a screenwriting
3: sort of
4: format. Yeah, it is. It's a lot like that. That's what I tell people when I try to um, give them examples. It's a lot like that, except for you have to. And part of the reason you have to put that detail in there is because you don't get you don't get the benefit of movement or sound. Not that I think it's any easier one way or the other, but when you're writing a movie, you can kind of say like, you can say less because the person's going to be doing more in the scene where it comes to a panel. You can only write that thing, that person doing one thing because they can't move. So there are differences, but it is set up very similar to uh, writing a a, a script for a movie or TV show.
3: That would be so much fun to do. Just sit and write a script. I just wish I could write.
1: (laughs) I tried my hand at screenwriting for a little while. Did there. you? Yeah, yeah, made some submissions. Really? Did not win a couple of contests I entered. Just because you didn't win doesn't mean you didn't make something good. Uh tell that to my depression, Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Do you still have any of these films? I do, yeah. I've got a few. Really? I've got a little cyberpunk thing called Eulogy in Green. I'm not trying to steal the spotlight, though. (laughs) Tell us about yourself, Jake. (laughs) Well, let me uh, derail this conversation really quick. I had this idea. No. uh, But on that note, here's a bad segue. The name Hotcakes. Yeah. I don't want you to think I've just disregarded everything you said because I'm just plucking this out of nowhere, but I have to know. Yeah. What brought you to this name like i know i obsess over names it has to be ideal it has to be perfect so i can only imagine Mm -hmm. if you put that much detail into your writing you've got a, a a pretty concrete reason to run with hotcakes and i would love to know
4: sure and that's actually probably the most common question i get so um i'm not surprised at all uh so what happened was way back when i was in college there um there's this band this english band and they released an album called Hot Cakes. Oh, my God. The darkness. The darkness. The darkness.
3: Yeah. I was just How did I not singing not make that, that connection? album today.
1: Right. Ah, living yes. each day blind. That's I like the people. anthem of my life.
4: Yeah. So, so I pre-ordered that album, and it came with a T-shirt that said Hot Cakes, and I made it my mission to wear that shirt as much as possible. <laughs> so after a while, people started calling me Hot Cakes, and it just stuck. And that so then, is so much better than any nickname I've ever had yeah. over the years. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, at first I was kind of like, uh, okay. Actually, it got to the point where one time I went to like a sort of reunion, and this professor said, "This is the, f- <laughs> this is the first time I've ever seen you without a T-shirt that has pancakes on it." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> Something I never thought I'd hear uh, anyone boring, say, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so um, then uh, I was out of school, and I decided I was going to cuz I went to school for, for creative writing and I decided you know I've read comics all my life I'm going to I'm going to make the comics and I really kicked around the name and I was like man I don't know what to name this and a lot of people said to me you should call it hotcakes because that's what your name is right <laughs> and I said oh I don't I don't want to do that because my my thing was I'm going to be working with other people as well and I don't want to put the spotlight just on me cuz I'm like there's going to be artists that work with me and I don't want to just call this my thing right so what happened was I woke <laughs> up one day and somebody had drawn me the logo, the one that I use, the pancake right. logo, and I was just like, wow, this looks really good and, you know, you've made this thing for me. And I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in, like, um, signs and stuff, and that was, like, a literal sign, you know, so – I was just like, well, okay, I think, you know, this is kind of the name found me. And uh, it just kind of stuck. And so now I get a lot of people saying, like, oh, do you really like pancakes that much? And I'm like, I assure you it's not that simple. I, I actually don't even really like pancakes that much. So <laughs> you ought to just roll with it. It's like, yeah. Do you really no, like pancakes that roll. much? Yeah, I do. After the, the 10th or 15th time, <laughs> I have to tell it. I'll just be like, yeah, I love pancakes, bro. I love them. I just just always have pancakes, one folded in me. your pocket.
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> just pull it out. As
0: a matter of fact, I have one right here, yes, with son. syrup. The <laughs> in one
4: pocket, and then the syrup in the other. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I eat. Like, now, yeah, you're like you're flats talking. of
3: butter in his pocket. <laughs> all
4: melt and shit. Yeah. Open up your wallet and like in the little <laughs> it's so so, pancakes here? <laughs> yeah, so that's how the name came and it stuck. And- awesome it's a really I'd, cool logo so i just kept it yeah i, I really the dig the
3: logo and the name uh i just love that it started with the darkness man that was a great yes. oh. album and yeah. i'm right my favorite song off that album was off the deluxe version i think it was like a bonus track like can't yeah, believe oh, a the cool not, guy uh, who can
1: afford deluxe versions
3: <laughs> but Buckmore, <laughs> you're not that hard <laughs> up for money dude but it was like, uh, I can't believe it's not love we're making. That song oh, yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, that's I was a just good one. singing that today. This is so weird. It's this is happening. crazy. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, derail
4: on my own excitement there. So know, That's all right. It's always great to meet somebody who knows. I always skip over the name of the band because nobody knows who they are. So when you meet somebody who knows it, it's like a really fulfilling experience.
0: Right. And right. to meet no, someone know who
4: knows mean. it and like not just... Um, I believe in a thing. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. That they have other songs. <laughs> yeah. It's a rare, that's the rarest thing in my life. I think is to, to have that happen to me. So
3: don't get me wrong. I love that album, but oh, Hot sure. Cakes for some, I listened to so much more oh, than yeah. the
4: first. Oh, I think I'm going to actually, go. I should say, since we're on the subject of this, I got to meet them once. Or no century. kidding. What? Yeah. They were in, we did like a meet and greet. And so this first time I met them, I was wearing that shirt and I went up to them and I said, Now, this is true. I did have a dream about them once, and I said, I had a dream that I I met you guys, and I had to apologize because I wasn't a sexy groupie. I said this to them. I said this to them, and the lead singer goes, but you are a sexy groupie.
3: Uh, (laughs) A single tear rolls
4: down your smiling cheek. My confidence was boosted for about—it's still pretty boosted after that, and that was like two years ago, so—
1: Oh, that is magic. Wow. Just, a single tearful thank yeah. you. That's like, oh, you...
3: <laughs> How could you not call it hot cake comics after all that's that? That's incredible. I swear
1: yeah. to, I have, I have seen the darkness sticker on the back of your car. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't make this connection. Yeah. For those at home, I'm not stalking and we work together. So. <laughs> <That sticker laughs> you know, when I was sitting in that tree outside your window, <laughs> yeah. that sticker you've really changed your part. brushing habits. Pre-ordered Sorry, that
4: ahead. I got the shirt, so... Oh, nice. All connected.
1: Yeah, look at that. I'm totally down with that interpreting signs and stuff, by the way, because yeah. I do the same thing constantly. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh,
2: oh,
1: God. Oh, Lord. Also, just before I take us too far, I'm going to have to go with Love is Only a Feeling is my favorite darkness Ooh, song. Ooh, that's a good one. Overall, my favorite I, track.
4: It's hard for me to pick one. Off Hotcakes, it's She's Just a Girl, Eddie, because <laughs> that's just such a timeless concept of being <laughs> yeah. destroyed emotionally. Uh, overall, Hooray. I don't know. It's hard for me to pick one
3: what's the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday dancing on Friday night oh my god that's probably my all time favorite darkness song good times Good song right there. All right. Before we just Let's end up talking on about the darkness all fucking day. <laughs> so on your website, again, hotcakescomics.com, it looks like there are uh, two ways people can look at comics. One, there are the free web comics you have on the site there. And then you can also uh, buy full comics mm-hmm. or a full comic, rather, short stacks that we have sitting here. It, you must keep pretty damn busy. I mean, how often are you putting up these web comics? Because there was a plethora of them.
4: Yeah, so I try—well, first of all, you know, I'm trying to keep busy cause, uh, with the webcomics because I have scripts out for the short stacks, and I hate just sitting around waiting for those to roll in. So uh, I put out a new comic every uh, other week, and then in between those comics, I put out a blog about comics. So today I just released one about um, cartooning. Um, so I do a blog—or I do a comic, then a blog, then a comic, and uh, so I put those out um Every other Monday. Um, and I'm working on a new webcomic, but I'm trying to build up a buffer before I put that out. So, um, so yeah, I'm pretty much, like, drawing and writing and coloring and stuff most of the time. Um, and then I put out scripts for other people to draw. That's why uh, Short Stacks is all full of other people's art, because they just have gotcha. better creativity than me. So,
3: One comic that I saw, uh, one webcomic that really uh, just made me laugh, because it just echoed what we've heard time and time again on this show. It was one called Making Money in Comics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first three <laughs> is what you envision, which well, I guess what actually happens when you have yeah. like the actual heart and the spirit to make good comics. But if you want to make the money, it's all in the merchandising, merchandising oh, yeah. your, uh, your character. Because it's really a labor of love. And unless you yeah. do something like that, you know, it just well, really uh, rang true.
4: I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where that one came from. I mean, obviously, it's real life, but what set that one off in me was, and I I'm, i don't want to throw any shade at this person because he's powerful, but <laughs> I was at a Meijer, and I saw a Garfield plush dog toy, and I was just like, there's literally everything you can think of has had Garfield on it. Um, oh, so yeah. This, yeah, there's a running thread in my life where Garfield merchandise kind of haunts me. <laughs> um, so I was just thinking about that, and I was like, "Man, that's how you make the real money." So that's where that came from. So no respect or no disrespect to Jim Davis, but I'm just like, "Man, that is how you do it."
3: Jordan's gonna be snuffed in his sleep tonight by <laughs> Jim <laughs> Davis's people. That's right. Talk
4: ill about back. Garfield, will you? I'm gonna wake up and there's gonna be a lasagna in my bed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Truth be told, I've got two Garfield mugs downstairs See, in my really, kitchen cabinet.
4: I don't have anything against. The merchandising, I was just like, wow, this is really everywhere. Like, I can't think of one thing that hasn't been, like, decked out with Garfield on it. So, it's like, it's a smart plan. It just kind of set me off. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm struggling to print, like, 45 copies of these short stacks, you know? So, it's just In a funny meantime, way to do it. I don't know. It's a funny thing to look at, so...
3: Well, what uh, can our listeners expect uh, here in the near future from Hot Cakes Comics?
4: Sure. Well, I am finally finishing another issue of Short Stacks. It was kind of a cursed production. Um, I had the stories written a long time ago, and it just took forever to get the art done. And then I was getting it colored because I I can do flats, which is just like, uh, like flat colors with no rendering. Uh, but I cannot render them and make them look good. And I was like, you know, I know when I'm beat— <laughs> I don't want this to look like trash. <laughs> so I sent it off to a guy. He colored three pages pretty quickly and then dropped off the face of the earth. Oh, good. Yeah, so so I had to find another guy. So that one's finally done, and I'm just waiting on a cover, which is actually getting uh, drawn by a guy from England. So this is, like, a pretty big deal for me. I thought it was kind oh, of annoying. nice. That's um, awesome, man. Yeah, it's really cool. I met him through Instagram. His name is Steven Tricky. He's really cool, really cool guy. And uh, And so that one's coming out. I'm going to try and get that one out by... Maybe November it's just I use a printing guy a small printer in Columbus so it kind of depends on his schedule um, that'll be coming out I'll probably do another um, auto bio story I do beard comic book enthusiasts which is uh, just kind of stories about me and how I got into comics and they're kind of American I don't know if you guys ever read American Splendor but they're kind of like American Splendor esque they're very inspired by American Splendor but they're not as good as I'll say that still working on web comics and another second webcomic which i'm going to try and keep a little bit under wraps for now uh, in case it doesn't ooh. actually pan out you know i don't want juicy to get... details ooh yeah and so <laughs> that one'll be can air exclusive yeah that one i'm trying to get a buffer up so if if i like you know it's a, an older title that i'm revamping so we'll see that in a little bit and then yeah those are my big projects right now I'm really having an uptick of finding artists who really want to work with me, so I imagine that the content that I'm going to be doing will be more, uh, uh, you know, the volume will be higher, because, you know, when you're doing it all by yourself, it's just like, man, I got to write this, and I got to draw it, and I got to color it, and then I got to print it, and that takes, you know, so long, so I'm, I'm thinking that in the next couple months, we're going to see more stuff than usual, um, which is awesome for me, so... Well, that's awesome to hear,
3: man, and congrats to you. It's always uh, exciting to uh, see you know, what you're passionate about start to t- yeah.
1: fly yeah. and take off. So, And you know, all of our jokes and digressions and discussions about the darkness aside, yeah. you're doing it, you know? Yeah. And that's our I mean, that's our certainly. favorite thing to see here in the trenches is people who are sticking with it.
3: I always go back to what James uh, James Rolf said when we had him on yeah, the show, yeah. Yeah. Video Game Nerd. He you know, the second... You decide you're a filmmaker or a comic artist or a podcast, whatever it is. You're a movie maker. That's what you are. That's what it, you are. As soon as you I get that, that money, that,
4: that is 100% the attitude that everyone should have. You know, if I were to give anybody advice, it's like you know we have a motto here at Hot Case Comics. That is, <laughs> <laughs> our motto is fake it till you make it. And there you go. That's what you got to do because I, I know a lot of people who like to do things, but they're like, oh, I, I can't do those seriously or I'm not really X, Y, or Z. Um, and I'm like, no, you are. you know, And it's funny because the blog I wrote today actually addressed – you know, my hesitance to call myself a cartoonist, because I've started, I, like I said, I just, I started writing, and now I'm drawing and writing, so, you know, I've entered that area of cartoonist, and it took me a long time to accept that label, but it's like, you know, once you're doing that thing, you might as well call yourself that, because then you're going to keep doing it, you know, it's so much easier yeah. for you to acknowledge it, so.
3: Yeah, and it's exactly true, and um, fake it till you make it, that kind of rings, back to the, the core concepts of canned air, you know, making yourself look bigger than you are until yeah. you get to that bigger status. I think
1: everybody does that, right? Everybody fakes it. Oh, the most put-together person life. The more a person talks about how ready they were to do something, the more they faked it until they made uh,
3: it. There are people who don't fake it. They just think that putting what their best is out there is good enough and it's just not. <laughs> it's just not. You get a few of those too. I can think of some examples, but we're not here to condemn,
1: no. are we? But, hey, by God, you're a cartoonist, Jeremy. You're a podcaster. I'm an international assassin. We're all the thing that we do, and that's what's important. Get the hell out of my house,
3: Jim.
1: Uh,
4: this is where we all saw our lives coming to, and we finally made it. So but, you sure. know,
1: in in a way, kind of,
4: yeah. yeah. This
1: is what I want to be doing.
3: I mean, this here, like, for me, podcasting, Never in a million years did I expect it to bloom and blossom into sure. this. This was never supposed to be any more than a few scrotes talking about
1: comics. <laughs> yeah. But you got to start somewhere.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's... you know that's an excellent point because I, I recently did a um, I tabled at a it was more of a craft show. So my I don't think my key market was there. But uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, that's funny. but the person I was with. She she was like you know it feels kind of weird like selling to people you know and I was like hey you got to start somewhere because like if I, if those people who know you don't want to support you then you're not gonna have that base to get yourself off <laughs> that's the ground a good point, so yeah you got to start small and you kind of have to swallow a little bit of pride to like really promote yourself I am shameless with my self promotion so I don't even I'm not even sorry about that in the least yeah.
1: nor should you be oh, you got to yeah. let grandma buy your first dozen
4: cookies first that's
3: right. <laughs> So for our listeners at home, if you want to check out Jordan's stuff, head over to HotCakesComics.com. And you're also on uh, Twitter at HotCakesComics.
4: Is there anywhere else people should be checking you out? I'm on Facebook and Twitter, uh, or sorry, Facebook and Instagram, as well as HotCakesComics. Yeah, I think that's it. And then the website, yeah. Got
3: a feeling if you Google HotCakesComics, you're going to get <laughs> you're a you're lot of what guy. Jordan's got yeah. here. Yeah, yeah
4: as I, I understand, I think I've done it before. It's pretty, I've got I've got the rain on that one. So that's nice. So if you just Google me, I'll be there too.
1: You lucked out that you were able to go hot cakes comics like on all your social networking, not like yeah. hot underscore cakes one, three, three, four.
4: Yeah, I did get pretty lucky. I don't know I I would be really surprised if anybody else had the same pattern of words. But I mean I guess. I mean it's possible.
1: Somebody's gonna have to change. Given enough time, right? An infinite <laughs>
4: sample size.
3: That's true. Well, Jordan, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, I love what you got going on here, and I can't wait to look into it more. So I just first want to thank you for being on the show with us today. And uh, two, when you got something new happening, let us know. We'll get you back on to help promote, man.
4: Sure. Uh, I appreciate that. And I really thank you guys for having me on here. It's been a great platform, and I've had a lot of fun uh, talking about some stuff that I don't usually get to talk about with normal people that uh, don't care. So, you know.
1: Well, we're hey, not normal here. That's, That's the true. impetus for the podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jake, what do we have on the website? Uh, we've got lots of tasty treats on the website, Jeremy. We've got a special guest page full of interesting names and faces. Uh, we've got a contacts page in case you're interested in promoting your work and telling your stories and inspirations. Uh, we also have links to our merchandise, society6.com forward slash canned pod. We've got links to all of our social networking, Instagram, canned underscore air, Twitter, at canned uh, ooh, our YouTube page full of fun videos, mm-hmm. our special Wizard World promo code, Canned air pod, lowercase no space, I'm sorry, Canned Air, lowercase no space for 10% off your tickets. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we also have a very nice uh, sort of astronomical background scheme going on our website, so that's cool. Very soothing if you're into space, stars, yeah. things of that nature.
3: <laughs> very good, Jake. Very good indeed. And, um, had it and kept talking. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, Jake had mentioned: if you want to uh, be on the show and feature your work, get promotion at all, all you have to do is send us that email. I will say though, again, to uh, people who are wanting to come on to promote their Kickstarter, let us know a little bit ahead of time. a little warning. <laughs> yeah, we we typically stay about a month and a half booked out. So uh, if you're getting a hold of us the day that your project launches, uh, chances are we're not going to be able to get you on before it's over. So make sure you uh, hit us up before the project starts. That's just what it's like at the top. It's just what it's like. Yeah, yeah. We're podcasters. <laughs> Big
1: deal, basically.
3: Don't Pretty know much. <laughs> And for the second week in a row now, we are going to be going out on another Star Set song, uh, Satellite, uh, Star Set being the band. Was that just last week we had on? That it was, yeah. Dustin Bates. Boots? Bates. Bates. We had on Bates. Dustin Bates. Uh, Dustin Boots is his Twitter
1: handle. That's, That's right. Right.
3: Uh, the the frontman of uh, Star Set. And, man, he was a lot of fun to have on yeah, the show. Yeah, he was. I strongly recommend people listen to that episode as well. But, uh, again, this is the second week of the residency here on the show. We're going out on the song Satellite. And you can check Check them out at starsetonline.com and on social media platforms at starsetonline. But I think that's probably going to do it for this week. That about covers it. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And I've been Jordan
4: Kieran from Hot Cakes Comics.
3: Thanks for listening, everyone. Darkening skies
0: you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall but i don't wanna what are you chicken hold on there boys Wow, it's flint instead of writing your name write candairpodcast.com and help spread the word well that's a great idea now we know and knowing is half the battle gi joe
3: want to be a magician of any kind uh, (laughs) yeah uh, i'm pretty thorough.
1: god it's like that's the curse of and and you know what all right
3: so when swamp thing got wood he's really
1: probably it's literal got wood yeah Yeah. it's literal god just the that's the comic that made plural (laughs) (laughs) sorry